Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Equity Meets Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Semiconductors or microchips are in everything. Whatever you're using to listen to this podcast, it has a semiconductor. They are the brains of modern electronic devices and are necessary in communications, computing, healthcare, transport, energy. Look, basically every industry. Almost everything we use depends on silicon semiconductors called chips. From your iPhones, your fridge, your air filter. The most advanced supercomputers, the most basic toaster ovens. What's turning on your indicators? What's turning on your radio in your car? That's a chip. The internet is often pinpointed as the great technology that's driven the past three decades of innovation. But really, semiconductors have been an equal part of that story. And over the past year, the supply of semiconductors has become geopolitically sensitive and governments around the world have found that securing them has become a critical national security issue. This escalated this week after the US government banned semiconductor companies from building factories or even selling to Chinese customers. It's Friday, the 9th of September, and today I want to know, why has America put such a restrictive ban in place? And more selfishly, how is this going to affect me? To do this, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder here at Equity Mates. It's Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome to The Dive. Hey, Sasha. How's it going? It's going well. I'm really curious about this topic today. I've got to admit, until we started talking about it, I just didn't realize what a huge issue this was. Yeah, massive issue. The brains of modern electronics. But before we start, we should acknowledge the Queen. Sadly, she passed. There's not really a business story there, so nothing for us to really talk about. But it's worth acknowledging 70 years on the throne. Pretty sad day. Yeah, and a massive uh, cultural shift, I think, globally. It's hard not to acknowledge what an impact she had on the world stage. But let's get to semiconductors because the Queen's life was marked by the rise of technology and semiconductors were a key part of that. So the first question I think that we should establish is what exactly is the difference between a semiconductor and a microchip? It's a good question because you hear those terms used interchangeably so much and for our purposes, for most purposes, they are the same thing. Semiconductors, microchips, sometimes just chips, uh, you hear them used interchangeably, but they, they mean the same thing. Today, we're going to use semiconductors as the term, just for simplicity. And when we're talking about semiconductors, I think it's really important to understand the geography because it really explains why they've become such a national security issue. Yeah, that's right. Now, in your mind, imagine a map of Asia. Taking up the majority of the map is China. To China's east, there are two tiny countries. Well, tiny in comparison to China, at least. To the southeast, there is Taiwan. And then directly to the east, about halfway between China and Japan, there is South Korea. Between those two countries, they produce over half of the world's semiconductors. 
and they're both right on China's doorstep. They rely on the waterways that China claims as their own to export semiconductors around the world. And that is why it's become such a national security issue. And it really is just two companies. There's Samsung from South Korea, which has about 20% of the world's market. And TSMC, which is short for Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. I love a straightforward name. They're from (laughs) Taiwan. And they have, by some estimates, up to 65% market share. How do you see this meeting and and tensions over Taiwan really impacting the supply chain issues revolving semiconductors here moving forward? Taiwanese tech giant TSMC warns an invasion of the island would render its factory inoperable, devastating global supply. As you mentioned, people here do have concerns about a shortage of chips, but this is not because of the tensions in the region. Comparatively, China just has 4% of the world's market share and the United States has 10%. That's right. These two companies dominate the market and they've become a real national security issue because semiconductors don't just power our consumer electronics, our phones and our laptops. They also power critical pieces of infrastructure like electricity grids and hospitals And they also power military weapons. More and more weapons these days are just really advanced electronics. So cutting off a country's access to semiconductors would be like cutting off their access to technology altogether. And there's one more really important piece of context, and that's that making semiconductors is hard, really hard. Really hard. A semiconductor industry joke goes... It's not rocket science, it's much more difficult. Almost impossibly difficult. It takes years and billions of dollars to build a semiconductor fabrication plant. A former CEO of Intel once said that semiconductors were one of the most complicated devices ever made by humans. Individual transistors that make up semiconductors are many times smaller than a virus. Some of the layers on a semiconductor are just one atom thin. Wow. Manufacturing a semiconductor typically takes months, multi-million dollar machines, and uses molten tin and lasers. One speck of dust can ruin a semiconductor, and these wafers of silicon can't be touched by humans or exposed to air. It's just astounding when you understand the context of just how complicated this industry is. So how are countries responding? Yeah, so semiconductors are hard to make, but they're critical for everything. So they've become a real national security issue and countries around the world are trying to secure their supply of semiconductors. Europe, not a country. But I'm glad European... you clarified that for us, Alec. <laughs> I was worried about your geography for a second. <laughs> yes, yes. But the European Parliament have recently passed a CHIPS Act. They put 43 billion euros aside to secure their supply of semiconductors. 11 billion of that is to research new technology, but 32 billion, the majority of this package, is to secure the supply of semiconductors by attracting companies to build semiconductors in Europe. Mm -hmm. They don't want to rely on importing semiconductors from Asia. They want to make the chips at home. Compared to the 1990s, Europe's position today is a lot less. And Europe is currently taking steps to regain some of its previous position by setting a goal for a 20% market share for semiconductor manufacturing by 2030. Similarly, in India, they've allocated 30 billion US dollars to build up their semiconductor supply chain in an effort to not be, quote, kept hostage 
by foreign providers. Tata Motors, the largest electric vehicle producer in India, has joined hands with Renaissance Electronics, a Japanese chip maker, to design and develop semiconductor solutions. China has allocated 97 billion US dollars to build its own domestic semiconductor companies and manufacturing capabilities. A lot of it is focused on Wuhan, Sasha. Wuhan, which became famous with COVID. This really indicates how strategically important semiconductors are. While the rest of Wuhan was locked down in 2020, the one industry that China allowed to continue operating semiconductors. Today, about a trillion chips are made a year, or 128 for every person on the planet. And China's government is lending the industry the same strategic importance it gave to its atomic bomb program. Going around the world, Japan has allocated $6.8 billion to attract semiconductor manufacturers to their shores. South Korea, already a semiconductor powerhouse, has introduced 6 to 10% tax breaks to keep building the industry onshore. And really, that brings us to the news of today, which America has now passed their CHIPS Act, which includes $52 billion in funding for domestic semiconductor capability. Meantime, senators yesterday approved funding for the CHIPS Act, including $53 billion to build semiconductors in the United States and $24 billion in incentives. So in summary, after that global tour, every country around the world wants to have semiconductors made at home so they don't have to rely on importing them from other countries. Something you can understand when you hear how complicated that process is. Yeah, that's right. No one wants a Chinese blockade of Taiwan and South Korea to disrupt their access to technology. So all the big countries are investing, but even the smaller countries, even here in Australia, our government is trying to encourage companies to build semiconductor foundries here at home. And like you alluded to before, the story of today is that America has told companies that if they are to receive funding under the CHIPS Act, they then cannot sell advanced semiconductors to China or build factories to make advanced semiconductors in China. Yeah, that's right. Any company receiving money from this $52 billion fund will not be able to build factories in China for 10 years. And what the US government is really worried about is China stealing the technology and then using it to improve their own homegrown semiconductor companies. So America don't want China to steal this technology. So I take it then America has a lead in semiconductor technology? Yeah, that's right. America does have a lead. America and its allies, if you include Taiwan and South Korea in that, definitely have a lead. America used to be the semiconductor powerhouse of the world. In 1990, they made about 40% of the world's semiconductors. They've really lost that lead in the past few decades. They now make about 10% of the world's semiconductors, but they're really worried about China catching up. So they don't want American companies or companies that are from American allies like South Korea and Taiwan sharing their technology with China. Well, I think, Alec, that's the perfect place to take a break. And then when we come back, I'd like to understand how China has responded. And as I said, selfishly, I want to understand what the effects will be for people like you and me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The U.S. Senate on Wednesday passed sweeping legislation to bolster America's edge in tech and counter China, especially in the chip industry. Welcome back to The Dive. Today, we're talking about semiconductors. So, Alec, America has put this ban on semiconductor companies that are receiving money from the CHIPS Act from then doing business with China. Who is this going to affect? So the main American companies that are really going to be affected first are Intel, NVIDIA and AMD. And we're already starting to see the effects. NVIDIA disclosed last week that they've been told by the US government to stop exporting two of their really advanced semiconductors uh, to China that were being used to work on artificial intelligence. But we should acknowledge that this has been a longer running concern from America and foreign companies are also being caught up in America's concerns. There's a European company, ASML, which make ultraviolet lithography machines, which are these multi-million dollar machines that are critical to make semiconductors. And ASML announced a couple of years ago now that they'd been blocked from selling their machines to one of China's big chip making companies, Semiconductor Manufacturing International Co. Sasha, I know you love a straightforward company name, but ASML had been told uh, to stop selling their machines to this company due to US pressure. These machines are the only way to print minuscule designs on these chips. They cost up to $200 million and they're only made by a single company, Advanced Semiconductor Materials Lithography, or ASML. Interesting. So that's the American context. How has China responded to this? Yeah, so China have said that America's move is reminiscent of a Cold War mentality. And really, we need to put this move in the context of a longer running technological dispute between Washington and Beijing and a longer running American concern about Chinese theft of American companies' IP. Uh, but really, at this stage, China has really just responded with words. I, I think, uh, to be fair, we should step back and realize that these announcements are fairly consistent with the administration's broader semiconductor strategy, which they've been talking about for almost two years now. So it's words now, but is there anything that will happen beyond that? So it's difficult if we just look at semiconductors because China's playing catch up. So if they put a similar ban in place and said American companies can no longer buy Chinese semiconductors, I imagine the world would just shrug. American companies don't rely on Chinese semiconductors the same way that Chinese companies rely on American and her allies' semiconductors. So that wouldn't really have an effect. But, you know, China is a massive manufacturing powerhouse. It's the second biggest economy in the world. There's certainly other things China could do, but we haven't really seen anything yet. Mm, so it's watch this space. What will this mean for China, though, and their manufacturing processes? So I think we're going to see China struggle to get the semiconductors to really work on some 
areas of advanced technology. A key one that a lot of people are talking about is China's work on artificial intelligence. NVIDIA's chips are some of the best in class for artificial intelligence, and China has essentially been cut off from accessing these. The two chips that NVIDIA reported they have been told by the government they can't sell to China, the A100 and H100 chips, are designed to speed up machine learning tasks. Now these Chinese companies that were using those chips are going to have to use domestically made Chinese chips, which aren't as good. Okay, Alex. So here's the question that's never really gone far from my mind. How does this matter for me? (laughs) Is this going to affect any of the technology I'm buying? I mean, right now we're recording this podcast on two laptops in different parts of the country. Chips are clearly a big part of our lives. What does this mean? Yeah, so I think for Sasha, the investor, it may affect you in some ways. The companies that make chips may report lower sales because they've been cut off from a major market. Uh, For example, we keep talking about NVIDIA. They reported to the market that they had booked $400 million in sales this quarter to China that may be lost with this ban. So we might see revenue fall for some of the companies that people are investing in. So that's how it's going to affect Sasha, the investor. Sasha, the consumer, you're probably not going to be affected that much. There's a question about some of the companies that manufacture electronics in China. Like, let's take Apple, for example. They make iPhones in China. Are they going to need to move manufacturing if they can no longer send advanced semiconductors to China? We don't know what the answer to that question is yet. But realistically, Sasha, the consumer, at least so far shouldn't be affected too greatly. I'm definitely going to refer to myself now in third person as both (laughs) Sasha the consumer, Sasha the podcast host, Sasha the investor. It's going to cover all my bases. Well, Sasha the podcast host, uh, you're probably going to be affected positively because we're going to have more stories to tell. (laughs) I love that. So before I let you go, have you got any final thoughts on this subject? China is really ramping up its technology development. And there are four key areas where I would say the competition between China and the US is joined. I think beyond this story of the day, it's important to put this story in the broader context of what's happening between Washington and Beijing, because we are seeing escalating tensions. We are seeing a bit of a return to the Cold War mentality of not really wanting to share advanced technologies. And that's because science has become the front line of this brewing Cold War. We're talking about semiconductors today, but I'm sure in the minds of US policymakers, they're also thinking about other cutting edge technologies where America has a lead and how much they want to share with China. You know, artificial intelligence, 5G and 6G technology, rockets, gene editing and other life science advances, energy generation. Semiconductors is the story today, but we shouldn't be surprised if there are other stories like this in coming months and years. Well, let's leave it there for today, Alec. But as you said, this is probably an area where we're going to have many more stories. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend about it. Word of mouth really is the best way for our podcast to grow. And if you're listening because you've been referred, welcome. Go check out our back catalogue. We've got some great stories there. Uh, You guys talked about the battle of the prequels. We did an update on the Elon Musk versus Twitter lawsuit. And we talked all about Ryan Reynolds buying a football team. You've got to listen to find out what that's about. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at thedive.businessnews. You can contact us by email, thedive@equitymates.com, and you can subscribe wherever you're listening to right now so you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alec. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. 
The Dive is a product of Equitymates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 